0: Have you ever seen a porn?
1: Well, Herbie Mandel used to show him in his basement <laughs> Ben would be upstairs cooking and he we would go down to the basement and he closed the door and he had these porn. The postman did the woman I'll never forget. <laughs> ah, he's dead too. Do you
0: believe? The this, postman is dead or Herb? No, Herb. Well, be, he died a long time ago. Oh, so. Girls loved him. He, he, was was, he was sweet. So I didn't sweet. know he was showing porn in the Baby, basement. Yes, he had. Wait, so he would bring you and?
1: It was usually me because he and I. Got and you, the walked. two of you, would just sit there and watch it together. Yeah, maybe Renee went down. Some of the other guy friends, you know. But I'd get there, and he'd he'd have my scotch ready at the front door when I came. That's nice. Maybe My car drove up. He was pouring my scotch.
0: Nice. Good service. Oh, I could. And then listen. you say, "Ellen, come on in. Let's go watch a little something." No, something. quiet it would be a very quiet thing. <laughs> so, did you guys just sit there laughing, watching this porn together? Yeah, um,
1: yeah. Are I'd you say, turned on by it? I can't even remember. Mm. I tell you the truth. I just know that he close the door and we'd sit there, and we probably were hysterical laughing. We're drinking and watching the porn. <laughs> I'll never forget though. The postman came in with the mail, and the mother invited him in. And next thing I know, I, I have no idea. Apparently, he had the best sense of humor, Herbie, also. And we were, we were hysterical. That's the one I remember the postman did the one. Hey, yum's the word,
0: haven't you heard? The yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And a hair has light. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Stories, some like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone, except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. and at the top you heard Auntie talking about a little topic we never discuss on this show, porn. Now, I'm hardly a prude, but when I talk, sing, or write about salacious topics, I try to be creative with it. Like with my Oprah song called, If Oprah Were Gay. (coughs) If Oprah were gay, I'd be so psyched. I'd dump my boyfriend to be her vanilla dyke take a chance Oprah come on let go stick your color purple somewhere under my rainbow that's why my tagline is relatively clean cleverly dirty so in that spirit today we're gonna talk about porn yep I said it porn in fact You're going to hear it so many times. I want you to keep track and tweet us at Yums the Word Show with how many times the word porn is said in this very episode. First person to get it right will win a pair of tickets to our next show on May 17th. Now, don't worry. If you've been to the show or if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that this show is pretty clean. And in the grand scheme of pornography, these stories are too. But they are both so hilarious and fantastic stories about porn, 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 porn. First up is Johanna Goman. Johanna is a writer and storyteller who's written for Salon, Exo Jane, and Bust. Pun intended. This is her story of what happened when her conservative mother's nosiness got the best of her. Connected to, you guessed it, porn.
2: I'm having this irrational fear that my birth control ring is going to fall out of my vagina while I'm talking, which I don't even think is physically possible, but I feel like in these shorts, it's like just going to happen. But anyway, so um, I grew up in a really small town in Indiana um, in a very large, very Catholic family. I have six brothers and one sister. So needless to say, when I moved to New York when I was 24, it was a bit different than the rosary Sang days of my youth. Um, and I, I absolutely adore my family, and I actually really like where I grew up, but one of the things that kind of dazzled me about New Yorkers is that you, you say what you think. <laughs> like, if you, if you have a thought, you actually just, you just say it, and this was a very novel idea to me. So over the years of living here, it's sort of like worn down my Midwestern filter, and i find myself going home and just saying things that do not play well (laughs) like just things that just didn't need to be said um so my story is about one such instance um this was in my uh late 20s and i was home visiting my family and i was in the car with my mom and my dad and one of my brothers and we were on our way to red lobster for dinner as you do (laughs) And I'm, like, taking in the sites and checking out the billboards. And, like, I see, you know, the deals at Arby's and, like, where the next gun show is going to be. And then I see this billboard that's, like, it says, Pornography, Creating a New Predator with Every Click of a Mouse. And it's this picture of this, like, sad little girl, like, crying and, like, holding a teddy bear. And I was, like, what the fuck is that? So, like, so weird. So we go to the restaurant. We're all enjoying our cheese biscuits. And... I say, I'm like, that billboard was really weird, right? And my dad, like, looks at me, and he's like, what billboard? And I'm like, the porn billboard. I was like, that was really strange. And he was like, well, what was strange about it? And I was like, well, porn doesn't, watching porn doesn't make you a predator. I was like, everybody watches porn. And, like, I I could see the words, like, leaving my mouth, and I was like, no, come back. But it was too late. Like all the blood was like going into my dad's face and like draining out of my mom's like And so like a little background on my parents While they clearly have been very sexually active themselves because they have like 400 kids Like when we were growing up, anything within the sexual realm was taboo. Like it was not discussed Like my dad, for instance he caught me trying to watch Basic Instinct when I was 17, and he actually, he ejected the tape and then physically <laughs> broke it over his knee. And he was like, we will not have porno in this house. And like, the sad thing is that it was a rental. So it was like, it was like $80 to replace it or something. Um, and my mom, like when she found out that I was using birth control, and I was like 23, but she comes into my room and she's like, so, you ever done coke? Because, you know, unplanned pregnancy, trying to prevent that, and, like, illicit narcotics, totally the same thing. Um, But so that's my parents. So anyway, we're back to Red Lobster, and my dad is now officially, like, his face is purple. And he starts delivering me this very angry lecture. He's like, everyone does not watch porno. Only sexual deviants watch porno. I don't know what you're doing in New York City, but you're getting a lot of strange ideas. And like my one poor brother who's there with us, like just like sadly eating his scampi. Like you can see he like just wants to die. So like needless to say, I ruined the dinner. Like no one enjoyed their popcorn shrimp. It was just a bad night. So, like, I I go home and I call my, my husband and I'm like, oh, God, you're not going to believe what I did. And, like, I tell him and he's like, oh, my God. He's like, so what must they think of me? He's like, they must, they must think I'm, like, clockwork oranging your eyes open and making you watch, like, girl on girl every night or something. And I was like, sorry. So, anyway, it kind of, like, blows over and, you know, dies down. And then a couple of months later... The phone rings, and it's my mom, and I answer it, and the very first thing she says is she goes, well, you were right. Everybody does watch porn. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what? And so what had happened was one of my younger brothers had recently moved out, and when she was cleaning up his room, she found a cardboard box under his bed, that contained some films. It was like Forrest Gump and The Green Mile. And and she was like, oh, she was like, I might like to watch some of these. So she takes a few, but of course, when she goes to open them, they do not star Tom Hanks. Like it was less saving Private Ryan and more like shaving Ryan's privates. Like it was like, yeah. Yeah, so um, she's very upset and is like, oh, is he a sexual deviant? And I'm like, mom, I'm like, like I said, everybody watches porn, this is not a big deal. And she's like, I don't know, he's watching some really strange stuff. And then I'm like, well, what's he watching? And she's like, well, one of the pictures on the DVD, the woman had balls. <laughs> Now, I don't care if my brother wants to watch Women with Balls, but I kind of don't want to know about it, you know? So I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, you know, he's a healthy young man. He, we know his girlfriend. It's fine. Like, just trying to get her not to worry. So I get her off the phone, and then I'm like, I need to investigate this further. <laughs> so I immediately call my other little brother, and I'm like, Greg, listen, like, something terrible's happened. Mom found Graham's porn collection, and he's like, like he thinks this is the greatest thing ever. Like thinks it's hilarious, and I'm like, no. Listen, Graham's watching some really weird shit, and he's like, well, why What did she find? And I was like, well, she said like on one of the DVDs there was a picture of a woman and she had balls, and he just dies laughing. And he's like, Joe, she didn't have balls. Mom's just never seen a naked woman bent over before. <laughs> yes. So the puzzle pieces click, and I'm like. Um, Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, <laughs> more time goes by. And one night my mom, she's been into the white zen, and she actually tells me, she's like, listen, I wanted you to know I actually already knew that everybody watches porn. And I was like, what? I was like, well, thanks for like throwing me under the bus, but like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well my mother once told me so my grandmother says that she once walked in on my grandfather (laughs) watching some porno on like a gramophone or whatever (laughs) Whatever you watched porn on back then, I don't know. And she was like, and they had a very big argument about it. And she was like, so I I already knew that men were like that. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, while I could have done without the imagery of my grandfather knocking one out, like to porn, I was still like, I was glad that like my mom was like, you know, she'd made peace with it and she was okay. And she wasn't worried. Although I have to say, I have always wanted to ask her (laughs) if she ever actually watched any of Graham's porn when she found it. But I totally don't have the balls, not even naked and bent over. Thank you.
0: I am happy to report Johanna's birth control ring did not fall out of her vagina that night. I can't speak for other times in her life, but that night it stayed intact. So that was Johanna Goman. You can find Johanna on Twitter at Johanna Goman, which is J-O-H-A-N-N-A, G-O-H-M-A-N-N. Now, as you may have gathered from the top of the show, Auntie is pretty liberal and no topic is off limits. So I continue to talk to her about porn.
1: In the Canadian Rockies, I was at the hotel. What's the, that big white hotel. Oh, my God. That was a fabulous trip. Pat and I took that. We had separate rooms. She doesn't like to sleep with anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, What's it? The BAM Springs Hotel. Uh Uh-huh. And um, we get into the room, and it was a beautiful scenery, and I'm there for the scenery, and da-da-da, and it was a wonderful group of people. I go to my room. That was where Channel J was, I think.
0: Uh. And I
1: get up, and I go, what the hell? I'm in a beautiful, pristine And I'm watching pour. That was (laughs) important. Everybody was late for dinner that night. (laughs) And I I called Pat, I said, Did you happen to guess she's on the (laughs) watch? (laughs) <laughs> that was a that was channel J that's funny up in Canada, yeah, that was, and when we get down to dinner and everybody the couples I'm sure went to town to tell you the truth, <laughs> and we were hysterical because everybody was late for dinner. that's
0: awesome, so, anyway,
1: that was channel J
0: Jay for jerking off. I wonder if they were serving jerk chicken that night mm-hmm. all right, up next is Adam Lynn Adam is a filmmaker. Actor and author of American Sexy. He told a story at our show that was recently featured on Snap Judgment. And this is his story about the crazy lengths he went to to protect his best friend.
3: It was the summer of 1995, and I was a student at the Louisiana Center for the Blind. Now, I graduated from college that spring, and unlike many of my classmates, who either went to Wall Street or Silicon Valley, I decided I would spend a year in northern rural Louisiana working on life skills. Now, life skills entailed walking with a white cane, reading Braille, cooking, cleaning, doing a little woodwork, and, but I had an agenda. Which was, I hoped that at the Louisiana Center for the Blind, maybe for the first time, I could find a girlfriend. Because college in the Northeast had been very, very frigid, to say the least. So I was hoping Louisiana would be a little warmer, a little more welcoming. I get to Louisiana and discover that my incoming class is made up of 22 guys and two available women. So I was having less luck in Louisiana than I had in college. However, I did make something that was almost as good. For the first time in my life, I had a blind best friend and that was amazing. And if you were gonna order a beer-drunking buddy from a catalog, it would be Ryan Fox. He was from (laughs) Amarillo, Texas. He had a straw cowboy hat, always pushed back on his head. He always had a can of cold, cores, gold in his hand, bunch of Texas tall tales. He also listened to a lot of NPR, so he could do these funny cross-cultural reference jokes. He was, he was really perfect, and we were having the time of our lives at the center. So one night, it's about one o'clock in the morning, and I'm sitting in my tiny student apartment struggling through John Kennedy Tool's Confederacy of Dunces three-volume Braille edition, when... <laughs> There was a knock on the door. I go to the door, I open it up. No one says anything. I reach out. It's clearly Ryan, but he's not laughing, he's not joking. He's shaking, he's almost crying. I, I sit him down on the couch, I'm like, Ryan, what's wrong? And then he speaks the words that would change our friendship and frankly our lives forever. They got sex tapes of me and there's going to be a listening party. <laughs> I said, what, Ryan, sex tapes? What are you even talking about? He said, well, William and Max, these were our primary nemesis pursuing the two women on campus. They got a hold of a scanner last week. They're these radios, they're real popular down here in the South. They, uh, they let you listen to police or fire dispatch or EMTs. And apparently you can overhear cordless phone calls as well. So they caught me on one of my sex chat lines and they recorded it and now they're going to have a listening party and everyone's going to come. Now I am very naive. I said, Ryan, I'm over here struggling through a three-volume braille edition and you're spending $5.99 a minute on a sex chat line. He's like, no, no, no. 99 is a cheap one out of Dallas. I'm like, well needless to say what a dumb thing to do ryan how could you let them catch you he said well what's done is done and i came over here tonight just to say goodbye um i gotta quit the center i'm i'm going in tomorrow i'm going to tell the administration i'm jumping the first bus back to Amarillo. i'm done and i couldn't believe it my anger my disappointment it melted into empathy because Now, one thing I really need to get straight, this was not me on these sex chat tapes, okay? This was a friend of mine. This was Ryan Fox from Amarillo, Texas. But I understood it could have been me, right? A guy alone, rural Louisiana, late at night, a few drinks, a phone, a 900 number. It could have been any guy, right? So I felt like I was in this just as much as Ryan was. I said, Ryan, we can figure this out. What can we do? Can we go to the cops? little southern cops aren't going to care about the sex chatter Uh, go to the administration of the school I doubt they're going to care because they're conservative they try and keep things quiet then it hit me it was one of the first times in my life that genius fell from the sky and was born fully formed from my head I said Ryan this is actually pretty easy all we have to do is break into William and Max's apartment ransack the place find the sex tape destroy it and escape into the night without getting caught, and you can stay at the center. So the silence that came from the couch, I interpreted it as an appreciative silence. So so the big plan. Luck was on our side in that the listening party was scheduled for Thursday night, and Ryan had come to me on a Tuesday. The reason being... Wednesday nights at the Louisiana Center for the Blind are dedicated to bus trips to Monroe, Louisiana, about 30 miles to the south, for country line dancing. And so I knew that most of the young people on campus would be down there shaking it to achy breaky heart. <laughs> and we would have a slight window to pull up our break-in. So I also knew, I knew we needed one thing, and that was a co-conspirator. And I knew who that was going to be. It was going to be Tony. He was a 55 year old former auto mechanic out of Hot Springs Arkansas who had recently lost his sight to macular degeneration and he disliked William and Max almost as much as we did and he loved anything that smacked of rebellion. So I went to him I said Tony I need you to go to the apartment manager as soon as the buses leave for Monroe and pretend that you've locked yourself out of your apartment. Get the skeleton key and casually walk across campus unlock William and Max's door so that we can later break in. So, Wednesday night comes, the buses leave for Monroe. About 15 minutes later, Tony comes by, knocks on the door, says he's done his part. Now, it would have been great if Ryan and I could have just run across the parking lot, broken into the apartment, done everything we needed to do. However, there was still one enormous obstacle we had to overcome, and that was the night watchman. Now, all of the roles at the Louisiana Center for the Blind are fulfilled by blind people including that of Night Watchmen. But <laughs> those those of you in the know will understand that there are the blind blind, people like Ryan and me who didn't even have light perception, and then there are the sighted blind. These are people who can see a little bit, but when you don't want them to, these guys can see with the visual acuity of, say, a hunting falcon. And that was... <laughs> very much Roland, and he was sitting in there in the activity center peeping out the window every minute or so to make sure that exactly nothing like this ever occurred at the Louisiana Center for the Blind. But I had a piece of information on Roland that was very important, and that was that he suffered from night blindness. So while the sun was out, he could see anything he wanted to see, but as soon as some shadows came down over that parking lot, we were good to go. So... (laughs) But it was a summertime and it was Louisiana and the sun was this huge golden ball in the sky and we had to wait until it was dark enough that we could make our move. So Ryan, are Ryan and I are there in my apartment. Our hearts are pounding. My hands are sweating. My mouth is dry. It crossed my mind a million times. I should not be going to do this, but I felt as if I had no choice. We'd put on black sweatshirts and black sweatpants. I, I was even going to put socks over the end of our canes, kind of act as sound condoms, so... But, <laughs> Finally, we couldn't wait any longer. We slip out the door. We're making our way across the parking lot. I'm ready for you know, guns to blaze at any moment. And I had this moment of exhilaration. I said, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing this for my best friend, my blind friend, a couple of blind ninjas making our move across this parking lot. We make it over to apartment R, put my hand on the door, it's still unlocked. We slip in, I close the door behind us. It is astonishing how exotic a tiny little apartment can seem. When you're committing a crime. So we feel around. Quickly, I find the stereo. We find one of those racks from the 90s to hold cassettes with all the little slots. I brought a boombox with us. We were very ready. Uh, all the country hits you'd expect. I start popping them in the box. There's Garth Brooks, there's Tim McGraw, then a little boys to men. I'm like, who are these guys? Then, Then my hand falls on the familiar outline of a Maxell cassette. And I said, oh, I know a mixtape when I feel it. This is definitely a do-it-yourself job. I pop it in the player, I hear Ryan's voice. I'm gonna slip you out of them Wranglers and start touching up on you. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. We've got, I, 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 Take the tape out, throw it on the floor. Ryan comes over, stomps on it in his cowboy boots. We have sunk. The listening party. I mean, the cops could come in right now, guns blazing. We might go to jail, but there's not going to be a listening party. Then I got greedy. I, I, I said, Ryan, we need to find this scanner. I mean, I, I knew Ryan. I'm thinking, if we leave this scanner here, I could be breaking in here tomorrow night. So <laughs> feel around on the couch. I find this thing. It, it felt like a, a little radio with a long rubberized antenna. Ron's like, come on, man, we got to get out of here, take it. I I said, no, no, no. I had this fear that uh, Interpol, the Defense Department, CIA would all be coming to investigate, and I didn't want to have any evidence. I said, I know, let's throw it in the microwave. So, Like I said, genius only ever came to me the one time, the plan. So so I, I run over, I throw it in the microwave, I turn it on high. If you've never done that before, it's really surprising how quickly circuit boards start burning, plastics melting... Toxic smoke is filling the apartment. I grab it. I pull, I pull it out of the microwave. I throw it on the couch. Uh, and then we hear, oh, it sounds like a car coming. We run to the door. We run out. We make our way across the parking lot to my place. Run in. Slam the door behind us. And we made it. We escaped. We were never caught. Woo-hoo. So... <laughs> The next day, after class, I went and picked up a 12-pack of beer, and I'm walking up the concrete path to Ryan's apartment. I can hear him talking, and I'm like, oh, I hope he's not on the phone. Uh, And I I get up. I knock on his door. Eventually, he comes. He opens it like three inches. I'm like, hey, man, I got some beers. Want to celebrate? He said, well, uh, actually, I got Doreen over here. I'm telling her about how we we pulled this whole thing off. He said, I suggest that uh, you go over to Stacy's apartment and uh, let her know how you came up with this whole plan. And so I did go over to Stacy's, and I did let her know how I came up with the plan. And so not only did I end up keeping my best friend at the center, but I also ended up coming away from the whole thing with a girlfriend. So, there you go. So I went to Louisiana to work on life skills, and that was walking with a cane, reading Braille, cooking, cleaning. What I never could have imagined was that organizing a conspiracy, breaking and entering, (laughs) destroying property, were the skills I really needed to develop to finally get the life I'd always wanted. Thank you.
0: That was Blind Ninja, Adam Lynn. You can find him online at adamlin.com. That's L-I-N-N. Thanks to everybody who's been submitting reviews lately. Keep them coming. We really appreciate them. Also, Auntie's 75th birthday is coming up very soon. And we want to pay tribute to her. So please tell us all about your favorite auntie moments why you like auntie why she makes you laugh and we'll be featuring some of those online on the podcast and actually with her in person you can send all of that or even just a simple happy birthday message to yums the word show on all social media just take your pick i will keep my eyes out for it Also, our next live show is Tuesday, May 17th. You can get tickets and details at yumsthewordshow.com, and we hope to see you there. And finally, we cannot finish this episode without remembering the one and only Prince. We just so happened to be recording this episode on the day that he passed, and he was an unbelievably talented man, a truly unique artist, and so much more. The world has lost such a legend, but his music will live on forever. Rest in peace, Prince. The stories you just heard were recorded live at La Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Vince Fairchild, Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Artis, Megan Deneen, Talia Sharon, Carly Patrone, and of course, Auntie. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. And until next time. <gasps> Porn! Porn! Porn. Let me see that porn Porn. Porn, Porn Porn
3: Hope you were counting
2: Yum's the word